Dimelang Avusheni and hello hi Mzanzi. Nolu Tandungakani here and welcome back to the Health from Zanzi podcast. I'm here to walk through your shame with you as you seek answers to those scary questions you are too afraid to ask about in public. I've got you through all those uncertainties, achy bones and your heart's woes, babes. Zanzi, this week we received a hectic letter from a friend in crisis down in Cape Town. It reads, I've experienced sleep paralysis more times than I can count in my life, and it is terrifying to say the least. Many times it involves someone in my room coming at me with a knife, and I'm unable to move or wake myself until the last minute. Other times it's just an overall feeling of evil in the room. And even other times, there are almost no visuals. Just as my eyes start to close, I hear voices whispering and strange sounds. The worst part is that once I manage to wake myself, I have to sit up, turn a light on, whatever to prevent from falling back asleep. If I don't stay awake for long enough, I will almost always go right back into it. They tend to happen a lot for a period of time, stop, then start again months or years later for no reason. I'm sure someone out there has experienced this too. Does it sound familiar? Batung Anonza, like I have no words because I have experienced those exact same sensations. Anyways, our guests today are sleep specialists from the University of the Witwatersrand School of Physiology. Dr. Stella Lakovides and Karine Schweimeyer, who are here to answer some of our most frequently asked questions about sleep. Speaking of the mental disorders, what kinds of, 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 of mental health disorders are then commonly linked to insomnia, especially? Since Karine touched on it, let's go with you first. I mean, depression is the most well-known one. Also, also it's the, one of the most prevalent you know, mental health disorders. And so we know that poor sleep is sort of something that can precipitate depression. So sometimes you may have depression and then you'll start having poor sleep also. And so they feed into each other. And the problem is you need to treat both the depression on one side. So you have medication for depression. But if you haven't sorted the sleep problem behind, so for example, let's say people with sleep apnea, you know, so, you know, they're not, they don't have insomnia, they have sleep apnea. They tend to be much more depressed than people who don't have sleep apnea. So if we sort the depression problem in these people, but, you know, we fail to sort the sleep apnea problem, they all continue being depressed and they're never really sorted in terms of depression. So we need to make sure that we sort the sleep apnea. So same thing for an insomnia. We need to make sure that even if we've started sorting depression part, this insomnia part needs to be sorted. And if the depression medications are not enough to sort the insomnia, then we need to up some, you know, give something or, you know, put people in cognitive behavioral therapy so that they improve their sleep or, you know, have them do the meditation, make sure that the sleep hygiene rules are respected, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the most frequent one. But we know, look, in, in bipolar disorders, one of the things we see in bipolar is when people go into mania. So, you know, bipolar is you go from depression to mania and mania is you're 
super excited, you're happy, you're, you, know, you want to get 10 million things done. And people don't sleep during that time. They don't sleep. I mean, they go into these periods. And that's one of the diagnostic criteria of many of you know, bipolar diseases that people they sleep very poorly during these episodes. And then it's followed by an episode where, on the contrary, they're down, they're not doing well. And that there's depression. And this sort of depression is often associated with what we call hypersomnia. So instead of not sleeping enough, people actually tend to sleep much more. You know, they will stay in bed 12 hours or 14 hours and still feel exhausted and not well. So these are the two typical ones. But, you know, most mental health disorders are associated with sleep problems. I was actually going to add, Corinne, that as far as I've read, there's no major clinical illness in which sleep is normal. This includes depression, post-traumatic stress disorder, schizophrenia, bipolar disease. And then I think it's because sleep loss has such devastating effects on the brain's anatomy. So when we talk about mental health, we often think about the psychiatric illnesses, which is what, what we've been speaking about. But you've also got to remember the neurobiology, so the brain health itself. The reason why they're so interlinked with sleep is because many of the brain regions that are impacted by the um, psychiatric disorders are the same as those that are involved with sleep regulation and those that are impacted by the sleep loss. And then even more recently, they've also found, found that many of the genes that show abnormalities in psychiatric illnesses, so the genes, are also the same genes that help with sleep regulation and circadian rhythms. So there's a huge overlap in the regions, which is exactly why we see that sleep loss and the mental illnesses have this bi-directional relationship where the one leads to the other and then the other leads to the other and you end up in this vicious cycle, like Karen said, where you need to treat them both to actually break it. And the most common one, I suppose, which, which has a clear sort of etiology that we are now sort of understanding is Alzheimer's. So we know that with age, like Karen explained, you're not generating the sleep that you need to generate. And of course, with that, there's consequences like memory loss, which is what Alzheimer's, you know, is originally characterized as, I suppose. But the sleep loss, so because say now the brain is not generating sleep, you get this buildup of particular toxic proteins in the brain. One of them is beta amyloids. This toxic amyloid obviously then has an impact on brain function because it kills some of the brain cells or the neurons in the brain in particular areas. So what was interesting is I think how they started this is they realized that this buildup only happens in certain areas of the brain. And one of the areas that they found it was in the frontal middle lobe, which is where we generate that slow wave sleep. So then they said, okay, well, that's interesting. Is it that that's causing the lack of, of slow wave sleep or, or deep sleep in, in the elderly? And they did have find evidence for that. But then they said, well, could this stuff also be this buildup of protein also be responsible for the lack of sleep? And they found also evidence for that. So you end up with this vicious circle again, where you've got this buildup of protein, which is stopping the brain from creating sleep. And then the more you sleep deprive a person, the more buildup you get of these toxins, because we have a system that functions at night to remove them. And the system is no longer functioning because there's no slow wave sleep. So all of these sort of major psychiatric and neurological disorders, when we study them, we find sleep at the basis of them um, because of how important sleep is for brain health. You hear people always talk about how crampy or moody they are if they don't have 
a lot of sleep, but you know, who knew that there's so much deeper aspects to sleep. And can I tell you, you talk about the cranky emotions. You know, Corinne mentioned bipolar disorder where you get extreme happiness and reward seeking and extreme lows and downs and negative emotions. And sleep deprivation is not only associated with negative crankiness and aggression and violence. It's also associated with these periods of mania, like Corinne explained. So it basically also mimics bipolar disorder. And the problem is that you think, okay, well, extreme positive emotions can't be dangerous, can it? But it can be because that's when you start taking risks. You look for thrills in your life. You you get addicted to stuff. So extreme anything is not good. And sleep deprivation has got both extreme positive and both extreme negative. I'm just like, I can relate. I do deprive myself of sleep a lot of the times, which is not Hopefully helpful. Hopefully you'll stop now. Not the only one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you always get this feeling of like you're invincible, but yeah, really you're doing a lot of damage. Yeah. <laughs> Another topic that I actually wanted to touch on is sleep paralysis. We always speak of the sleep paralysis demon and we think it's related <laughs> to the occult, but you know, what really does cause no. paralysis? <laughs> And are there any supernatural ties to the occurrence, Karim? So, you know, we're scientists of, of course, supernatural things we don't uh, really abide into. It's just, you know, supernatural is until you've explained something, you know, in a reasonable way. <laughs> so a sleep paralysis is actually very natural. So when we sleep, it comes back to our why we sleep. You know, of course, the, during sleep, we rest and the body rests, but also the whole brain rests and regenerates itself. So for example, it gets ready for the next day. Here we're talking about the slow wave. So the slow wave gets rid of all these synapses, what we call these little connections between neurons. So every day we form new connections, but you know, we don't need them all the time. So that's one part of our sleep, slow wave. It's a very deep sleep. When you look at it, it looks almost like you're having a seizure because it's just these massive, massive waves. So it's very impressive to see that. And during that sleep, it's a very deep sleep. If I wake you up from that sleep, you'll be very confused. You don't know where you are. But, you know, during that sleep, you rarely have crazy dreams. If you have any dream, you'll have a dream of, you know, putting your cake in the oven and that stage of sleep where people get up and actually, you know, can, can do these parasomnias, you know, when they start sleepwalking or sleep eating or sleep talking. So it's during that very, very deep stage of sleep, but we do normal things during that time. Then we have another type of deep sleep, but which is very different in nature, which is called rapid eye movement sleep. And during rapid eye movement, and even 2000 years ago, philosopher Aristotle, he described the sleep of people. He said, it's weird, you know, like I can see the eyes are going very fast under the eyelids. And so we have this sleep and it's a very normal part of sleep. But during that sleep, we have our crazy dreams. And so why do we have these crazy dreams? It's still up for debate, but we know it's due to memory consolidation. We know that we do a lot of memory processes during that time. So we reactivate visual memories, but we also create sort of new networks probably. And that's why, you know, we have something crazy, you know, happening, we're falling, whatever. These dreams can be very emotional. And if we were, if we had use of our muscles during that time, we can do crazy stuff. And there's something called REM behavior disorder. So during REM, sorry, during normal REM, we're supposed to be paralyzed. And that's a big thing. And literally, our, all our muscles are very low tone. So if you look at the muscle tone during that time, it's the lowest you can get. And literally, you are paralyzed. 
you know, you're having this very active life in your brain. If you didn't have that paralysis, you would be enacting your dreams. And that's what a lot of people do. People who have this REM behavior disorder, they tend to be very aggressive. And so they start punching their partner during their sleep, but only during their sleep. So if we fail to be paralyzed during REM, that's the consequence. We start punching people. We start doing crazy stuff. We can hurt ourselves because we feel endangered because we have these crazy dreams. Now, what is sleep paralysis? Sleep paralysis happens when we are still in REM sleep, but we are getting to wake. And you have to see, when we're looking at the brain waves during REM, they look exactly like the brain waves during wake because it's that very same activity, you know, multiple areas of the brain are being used. People sometimes wake up from REM, so they start waking up from REM, but they're not completely awake. And that has to do with the sort of nuclei that regulate sleep. So we have different nuclei for REM sleep itself. And so we know that sometimes we are able to wake up and we're only partly woken up. That's why we're still paralyzed, but we are conscious. Oh, what's going on? And that sound that, you know, I've experienced it. And you just feel crazy. You're just like, all right, when is my muscle? And you know, it feels like for an eternity. But the reality is it lasts maximum one or two seconds you know, maximum. It's probably only a few milliseconds, but it's such a powerful thing because you're suddenly, why can't I move? Why can't I move? And that's because it's still a little bit of REM that's still in your wake, you know, and it's, you just happen to be conscious at that time. There's actually a sleep disorder called narcolepsy. And narcolepsy is something due to, it's an autoimmune disorder where we destroy some specific neurons in our brain called the orexin neurons, and which are supposed to maintain our wake. And when we destroy these neurons, so we tend to have much more of REM sleep. And as, especially during the day, people who don't have a consolidated wake, suddenly, you know, you'll see them, they'll literally fall at their desk, fall asleep, and they fall into REM sleep because they lose all their muscle tone. What accompanies this disorder is often people seem to have these dreamlike images coming in front of them. So, you know, they're doing their normal thing, being awake, and suddenly they see a bear, you know, crossing their visual field. And, and they know this is wrong. You know, in the schizophrenia, you'll see a bear, but uh, you, you're pretty sure their bear is there. You know, like that's a very different. Whereas in narcolepsy, you know, you know there's no bear, but you see it. And so that's a sign of narcolepsy because these are dream images. So it's generated, it's again like little bouts of REM. So it's a, a sort of weird state where you're awake, but you have a bit of REM that's coming into your, into your brain state. We have medications to try and stabilize that better. So it is something very, very biological. It's completely normal. And it's part of REM sleep, of us having REM sleep. And we have it every night. It's 20% you know, of, you know, of our night is spent in that stage of sleep. Okay, so it's not at all related to the occult. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> We're glad that it happens because like Corinne said, people who have REM sleep disorder end up hurting themselves and their partners. It can be quite extreme. Did you want to add anything to um, sleep paralysis, Stella? No, I think Corinne covered everything. I just wanted to say that I've also experienced those one or two seconds and it's very scary. It's really not a pleasant feeling. I have found personally, and I don't know how true this is, but I have found that that happens to me if I'm particularly anxious mm. or if I'm sort of, I know that I shouldn't be because I, I've got to do so many things. So it's almost this like heightened state. And I don't know if there's a, 
if there is a, a stress related, like, I don't know, Karen, if like your sympathetic nervous system comes and sort of wakes you up prematurely or something, but yeah, it's, yeah. Not, it's not a nice feeling. <laughs> yeah, the rare times I've had it, I've never, I couldn't find anything that could explain why I had it that time. You know, it was just out of nowhere. <laughs> And it was just weird. And I think it was before I even knew much about sleep. And uh, yeah, it did scare me. But then I realized what it was. And, and then I was like, okay, it's normal. I guess it happens. But it, it does tend to happen more in people who have narcolepsy, for example. And you're right, Stella, also in people who have a PTSD. So people who have a sort of chronic anxiety di- disorder, you can, uh, people may have more sleep paralysis as well. Thank you for joining this week's episode of the Health Forms Anzi podcast, Stella and Karine. If you're looking for more on our conversation around sleep paralysis and sleep and mental health, visit healthformzanzi.co.za. And dear friends, remember if you are in a medical bind or looking for a shoulder to cry on, you can send an email to hello at healthformzanzi.co.za. Alternatively, you can hit us up on WhatsApp on 063-633-0628. I would never blue tick you babes. I'm happy to say that I've learned two things in this episode. Firstly, mental health and sleep problems are closely linked. And there's no such thing as a sleep paralysis demon. Like Dr. Stella and Kareem said, there's no need to fear nighttime demons or alien abductors when you're going to sleep. If you have occasional sleep paralysis, you can take steps at home to control this disorder. Start by making sure that you get enough sleep first of all. Do what you can to relieve stress in your life, especially just before bedtime. That brings us to the end of episode 84 of the Health from Zanzi podcast. From me, Lulu Nakani, have a great week and remember to show your girl some love by sharing this podcast with a friend. <laughs>